Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freedom of Species, we're a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard the song um, It Never Rains by Dire Straits. That was the final song for Sally's show, uh, Out of the Pan, featuring discussion discussions on all issues, uh, pansexuals, issues affecting uh, rainbow communities. Uh, and there was a big news that you mentioned, Katie. What was that? Demi Lovato? Oh, that was, yeah, Demi Lovato came out as um, pansexual. I knew, yeah. I, I knew that, and I was thinking that got a mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, like uh, like Sally, I was definitely not uh, with that news. Except I think hearing it we from you. We just watched actually. a movie with her, didn't we? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, one. yeah. There we go. Um, so uh, today we're going to be discussing attitudes towards a plant based food system is going to be the topic, and we're going to um, we're going to be talking about attitudes toward that in terms of whether it's desirable for the environment, but also for animals as well. Um, and I guess more generally this idea of as an animal movement, this um, I'd say fairly recent focus of the animal movement of um, not just focusing on individual change and individual veganism, but also looking at um, promoting that broader plant-based food system at the more uh, system level. So we're going to be using as a starting point an article. This is from The Guardian, um, UN Global Climate Poll, The People's Voice is Clear, They Want Action. Uh, it's by Damien Carrington. It was published on the 27th of January 2021, so earlier this year. And, yeah, I think it's a, a quite a telling one in terms of um, climate change and also, uh, again, specifically we'll focus on uh, the plant-based food system. So we'll read through this article. Maybe we can just alternate reading it and, and if we want to jump off at any point, then we, then we can go from there. So it starts off, uh, the biggest ever opinion poll on climate change has found two-thirds of people think it is a global emergency. The survey shows people across the world support climate action and gives politicians a clear mandate to take the major action needed according to the UN organisation that carried out the poll. The UN Development Program, UNDP, questioned 1.2 million people in 50 countries, many of them young. And I just wanted to mention that as well, that I think we can... The results of this survey are probably fairly reliable because often when we do have surveys about attitudes towards veganism or whatever, sometimes there's maybe only a thousand people, but this is 1.2 million yeah, people. Yeah, the biggest so ever yeah, opinion so it's poll quite, climate I think change the, around veganism, most likely. Yeah, so the results are definitely, you know, we can give them quite a bit of weight, a lot more than other surveys on the issue. So they said, while well, younger people showed the greatest concern with 69% of those aged 14 to 18 saying there is a climate emergency, 58% of those over 60 agreed, suggesting there's not a huge generational divide. 
Even when climate action required significant changes in their own country, majority still backed the measures. In nations where fossil fuels are a major source of emissions, people strongly supported renewable energy, including the US, 65% in favour, Australia, 76%, and Russia, 51%. The poll found the highest proportion of people saying there's a climate emergency was in the UK and Italy, both at 81%, Australia was at 72%, and the US at 65%, the same as Russia and India was at 59%, even the lowest proportion in Moldova was 50%. So in all the countries surveyed, uh, the absolute lowest was, you know, 50-50. Yeah. And overall, the most popular actions to tackle the climate crisis were protecting and restoring forests, followed by renewable energy, renewable energy and climate-friendly farming. The promotion of plant-based diets was the least popular of the 18 policies in the survey, with only 30% support. Yeah, and I think that's where we all sort of jump off at, at this point, and we might go back to the article a little bit. But uh, yeah, I was actually speaking to um, Delan, who's been a guest on the show uh, several times, uh, particularly going back a, a year or two, um, and he's over in the UK doing work on this issue around um, a plant-based food system. And yeah, he was saying that often the sort of the, the way it's been framed is that it was the least popular action, which, which may be true. Um, but also, I think it's significant that, um, yeah, 30% of people around the world, according to the survey, support a, pla- a plant-based food system, yeah, which I think is quite huge. remarkable. That's, yeah. that's huge. From It's such a diverse survey from so many different countries of different age groups. Mm. And, yeah, that that is kind of astounding for me as someone who has... You know, when I went vegan, it was such a, a a very niche kind of thing that people weren't really thinking of. They're like, what? Mm. You know, it was, and now it's obviously very much more popular. But yeah, that to me is huge. 30%. Yeah. And I, I probably should have introduced us at the start. I don't know if I did, but um, <laughs> no. yeah. Um, so I'm joined on the show today by my partner, Katie Batty, who, uh, as Katie touched on, has uh, a lot of experience with animal activism, particularly around vegan act- activism and promoting veganism, um, and has also done a bit of work in animal law as well. Uh, I'm Nick Pendergrass hosting today. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and so I guess going back to when you were first doing um, outreach and doing screenings of the the animal rights documentary earthlings at university and that kind of thing i imagine at that point you wouldn't expect one or one in three to be sort of on board philosophically with what you what what you're promoting no not at all especially like it was veganism was seen as such a radical kind of thing you know that it wasn't really in the cultural zeitgeist at all Mm. you know it was people be like oh yeah there's vegetarians around but wasn't like it is now like a real movement Mm. and something that you know major companies are starting to you know get on board with and try and make money from by making all their their plant-based options and things like that Mm. yeah it's it's really that was it's funny that it was the least popular i'm like whoa 30 percent of you know 1.2 million people around the world Mm. think that that's you know, it's something that we should do. Yeah, and I think going back to my activism, which also goes a long way back as well, it it was more... in like you know decades and in, in gone by it was more a philosophical thing of um you know of course we don't want that it was this very fringe like small number of people who wanted that uh whereas now 
Um, obviously, those people still exist and, and perhaps are in the majority, but yeah, quite a significant number, nearly one in three people are like, I agree with you philosophically. Like, then we can talk about how do we get there and are you happy to, to go um, vegan within this food system, which isn't currently plant-based and those kind of mm. like practical questions. Um, but again, sort of, it's very interesting that on a global scale, one in three people are on board with that idea philosophically at least. And the, the highest countries, Germany, 44%, UK, 43%. So they're reaching near 50% and they're mm. quite vegan friendly country so mm. the article kind of says is that part of it you know how easy is it to go and get plant-based food when you're mm. eating out mm-hmm. um those countries are getting near half people saying yeah we should do it yeah and, and speaking of like mentioned dylan being in the uk and there's a group called animal rebellion which very much has that focus on on advocating for that plant-based food system uh yeah at, at the systemic level and so yeah i'd say maybe you know that that could possibly be somewhat the result of the activism they've done but also perhaps groups like that are also going to spread up when there is quite that quite widespread support for it as well but uh yeah even for those activists um like harley's a regular contributor um to the show from over in the uk um and yeah that, that's quite amazing that again you've, you've got nearly half of people who are like yeah i i, I agree with that that um, shift to a totally plant-based food system yeah, we're going to continue this discussion in a moment and also talk about how um, attitudes towards a plant-based food system, how animals play into that as well. Um, but we're going to go to a song now. Um, this song is uh, Regina Spector, uh, You Got Time, and you're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio.
It's been 30 years since the Royal Commission released its final report into Aboriginal deaths in custody. Things have actually got worse, and there's still no justice. Come along to the National Day of Action. Stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. Black Lives Matter, Saturday the 10th of April, 1pm, on the steps of Parliament House, Melbourne. Join us in the streets to demand justice and self-determination. See you there. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. We're a show that brings animal ad- ad- animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Today, I am joined by Katie Batty, and we're discussing attitudes towards a plant-based food system. So we spoke about how the idea of... Uh, yeah, a plant-based food system has fairly broad support on environmental grounds, but I also wanted to bring in animals as well and attitudes towards animals in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of a plant-based food system when it comes to animals. So, um, actually, Katie, do you want to read that bit there about a recent survey? Sure. So, in a recent survey conducted by a non-profit think tank, Sentience Institute, nearly half of Americans' questions said that they would support a ban on slaughterhouses. A huge 47% of people surveyed said that they agree slaughterhouses should be banned. Despite this, those who responded to the survey, only 97% of them said that vegetarianism was a personal choice. So these statistics are in conflict with each other, given that the ban on slaughterhouses would leave Americans living meat-free. So, yeah, again, it's sort of uh, that complex issue of you know what does that actually mean you know in practice on the individual level and we get into like gray areas and questions and and contradictory ideas uh when it comes to that but still that's quite quite amazing it's very surprising really yeah yeah, nearly half would support that ban um again like on the more sort of structural level they'd support that like government ban on slaughterhouses uh, but when it comes to actually um not eating the products from slaughterhouses such as meat and dairy and eggs and these kind of products, um, people were less kind of convinced by that on the individual level. But isn't that a bit weird? Because they must know that if there were no slaughterhouses, they would not be able to eat any animals. Well, yeah, and I think that is sort of what I wanted to get into, that I think often when we hear things like this within the animal movement, we often uh, take that point of like the hypocrisy narrative, which uh, I've spoken about before, in a way... uh, it kind of feeds into a little bit similar ideas we get from those on the right who dismiss climate change protests because they're using plastic bottles or whatever. Mm. Um, and so we often sort of feed in that like individual hypocrisy. And, and that's definitely, you know, something I've definitely fed into or at least promoted. Like, well, if you, if you don't like animals being slaughtered, then, then don't eat those products. And I think we should promote that individual change. But I've kind of rethought my views a little bit on that over the years uh, in that so these, you know, nearly half of Americans saying they'd support a ban on slaughterhouses. Um, and so, again, but most of them would still be eating animals. And I kind of thought, well... I just thought of this one flicking on a, a light switch at my house. Um, so, again, you could say, well, I support moving away from fossil fuel, mm-hmm. but every time I flick a light on, I'm 
using fossil fuels, right? So you could say my... Yeah, uh, I mean, we don't go with a green energy company, but yeah, I get uh, your point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of people would be like, yeah, there's a climate emergency, yeah. but yeah. we got to stop using fossil fuels, but I just want to turn on the light so mm-hmm. I can read my book or whatever. Um, and I don't actually want to use fossil fuels. And so I, like, I'd be quite happy and, and I wasn't aware of that, but yeah, you can do that on the individual level as well. But yeah, I, I'd much prefer that electricity would be based on whatever solar, mm. wind, etc. And so I guess from a more sort of empathetic point of view, maybe a lot of these people are the same when it comes to animals. So um, they'd be happy with a plant-based food system if they went to the supermarket, all the fast food stores, Mm. uh, restaurants, etc., all had completely vegan products. They'd be like, that would be great. I'd be happy to buy that. But I just don't want to eat vegan within this current non- uh, non-plant-based food systems. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. They don't want to just go about their lives and have the government make the change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think also as, um, you know, as myself, as a sociologist, I think there is that thing, whether it comes to animals, whether it comes to uh, whatever other issue of not wanting to rock the boat too much, not wanting, you know, wanting to fit in with people. But if that became the norm, if that became the food system, people would see that as a sort of an ideal kind of a system as well, or quite a significant number of people as well. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that when they have you know, they have these plant-based Whoppers and things like that at Hungry Jack's. Mm, and mm. then they have the, the ad promoting people like, oh, yeah, it tastes just like a Whopper. Yeah, I'd eat this kind mm-hmm. of thing. And if people are like, well, if it tastes like basically the same and it's just as cheap, mm. then a lot of people were like, yeah, I'd eat that. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think a little bit the same as we've had the, um, you know, like the Black Lives Matter, for example, movement has been going on for years, but particularly last year, it really sort of reached mainstream consciousness and, and discussions and, and corporations coming out in favour of that kind of thing. And and while, you know, while I'm, I'm often a bit sceptical about the motives of those corporations mm-hmm. and key figures coming out, I do think it, it showed the progress of that movement, the fact that those companies thought, you know, to be even if it's for cynical reasons to be profitable we need to support this movement mm-hmm. and i think much the same with the um yeah the vegan movement and corporations getting involved as much as i don't think that should be our primary focus as of like of the movement of, of getting hungry jacks get a vegan burger or whatever i think the fact that they're doing it does sort of show the progress of the movement as well yeah, yeah. it mm. definitely does yeah it's funny how controversial it was in america for those um what are they, what's their f- football called? NFL? Yeah, yeah. Players that were um, like taking a knee during the national anthem. Mm, mm. And then it'd be kind of, if you said to those same people on a couple of years, it's going to be like mandatory in like the Australian Football League, you know, everyone's going to be doing it. And mm. it's the cricket's going to have the banner coming up on the TV, Black Lives Matter. Mm. It's kind of unthinkable, really. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely become that idea of, of normalisation from, you know, obviously plenty of people within social movements, plenty of people who are directly affected by that issue have been speaking on it for years, but it kind of beca- became the default for everyone. Like, it would be, it would kind of seems wrong if you're not supporting this. Um, even actually in the cricket, there was one cricket player who didn't take a knee but just, like, took off his hat, and then there mm. was all these, oh, is he a white supremacist and stuff like that, mm. whereas... In, yeah, going back even a couple of years, if a cricket player came out in support of Black Lives Matter, that would be seen as sort of like going against the norm. What does it mean if they take their hat off? It just means like you like respect their right to protest or something but like you, that. They don't kneel. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's sort of a, it's a bit wishy washy, mm-hmm. um, but again, but it's not 
like having a finger up to the gun. No, no, it's not, it's not anti. It's kind of almost a little bit sort of neutral, neutral or, yeah, or like yeah. vaguely supportive, but not, you know, yeah. not sort of fully committing to being supportive or something. So yeah. I definitely don't think it's a good thing. But again, even that idea of being just like, yeah, of course we support people's right to protest. Like that was not the norm no. even a few years ago no, as well. No, that yeah. he's being talked about for that mm-hmm. is pretty surprising. Yeah. And, yeah, I wanted to bring another um, article along these lines. This is from um, the website The Conversation, theconversation.com, which publishes uh, research from academics. And um, this is by um, Chris Bryant. Um, and it's called What Meat Eaters Really Think About Veganism New Research. So this is from January 18, 2020. So, yeah, a while ago, but only just over a year ago. Um, and, yeah, this is in the UK specifically, which I've already spoken about, has particularly high support for, um, yeah, pl- for plant-based, a plant-based food system. Um, and so uh, Chris Bryant mentioned most people in the UK are committed meat eaters but for how long my new research into the views of meat eaters found that most respondents viewed veganism as ethical in principle and good for the environment it seems that matters of taste price and convenience are the main barriers preventing more people from adopting veganism not disagreement with a fundamental idea this could have major implications for the future of the food industry as meat alternatives become tastier, cheaper and more available. So this is a survey of 1,000 UK adult men and women. Um, so, yeah, much smaller sample size. But anyway, they found that 73% of those surveyed considered veganism to be ethical. So 73% uh, mm-hmm. said vegan be ethical. Again, quite different to back in our early days of activism where I couldn't imagine it being anywhere near 73%. It's funny. It's like we've won the why argument. Mm-hmm. And I I've always said that it's there's two prongs to getting someone to commit to being a vegan. Mm. And the first is the why mm-hmm. and the second is how. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I was like, well, obviously I want to do that. But I was like, how do I do it? It wasn't until I met a vegan. I was like, she was like, oh, yeah, you buy this shampoo and you, mm. you know, you can eat this. And I was like, oh, okay, you need to have both because otherwise mm. if you – I've known people that are like, oh, I'm just going to be vegan overnight and then they don't know what – what they're going to eat other than salad and they, they struggle with it and that's you need to have both yeah yeah and um that is basically sort of the take-home message of the article i said 70 cent 70 percent said it was good for the environment um but on the flip side, again, this is where we get into sort of the nitty-gritty of it. Um, 61% said adopting a vegan diet was not enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, 77% said it was inconvenient. And 83% said it was not easy. So yeah. that that is sort of where we get. But again, even the fact that we're having these sort of how arguments is such a big um, it's, it's huge. progress. It's yeah. huge. It's yeah. huge. That, that, you know, now it's shifting to like, okay, let's make these products convenient and taste good. And we're seeing a big explosion of um, not just, you know, companies releasing vegan products, but specifically like very meat-like products, you know, mm. very realistic products, almost too realistic for mm-hmm. <laughs> like long-term vegans like ourselves. But, mm. um, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because they think that basically price parity with, with plant-based meat – will happen in 2021 this year or 2023 mm. that there'll be the same price and that's with heavily subsidized meat you know out of my culture being heavily subsidized by the the governments many governments um that basically it'll be the same cost if you want you know your rebel whopper or your regular whopper you know mm. so um that's going to be really interesting in terms of how that affects it if that's a big thing for people mm. 
yeah. you know, price is a big thing and also the taste. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it is quite funny hearing, you know, people say like it is too difficult and that kind of thing from those of us who have been vegan for a long time. Like it was way worse back then. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And it, I mean, people that went vegan in like the, the 60s or the 70s or yeah. the 80s or, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, but I, yeah, I can only speak from, I just remember from my own experience, mm. you know, you go to the vegetarian section and then all the sanitarium stuff, it's like, oh, but it's got egg white in it. And I'm mm. like... Well, that's fine. Like, I was like, yeah, I can't have mock bacon or whatever. I can live without it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, having said that... Oh, all, there was such bad vegan cheese back then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's things are, are, are so much easier. But it is still, obviously, a majority of people aren't vegan. And so, um, yeah, so, again, go back to that Chris Bryant article. 60% said veganism was socially acceptable. Um, so, yeah, again, there is that thing. So, somebody like, yeah, it's, it's kind of becoming more... Like, even 60% of that is fairly high. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is still going against the norm as well. So yeah, I think that is quite a big aspect to it as well. Not just the uh, yeah, not just the practicalities, but um, yeah, sort of wanting to do what those around you are doing and that kind of thing. Which is why yeah, why, why it kind of feeds into that that thing of philosophically supporting it, but not wanting to put in practice. But um, yeah, as Katie mentioned, I think winning winning like half half the fight towards a sort of a vegan food system is is quite amazing and in in a fairly short amount of time right because Mm. yeah again going back to whatever early early 2000s or whatever when i started talking about veganism to the public and stuff i definitely wouldn't have had you know a a, you know whether it was like 30 percent like the other um the un uh study on climate change or even 50 percent like this american study going yeah i agree with you but okay how do i do this practically people didn't even know what veganism was Mm, mm. yeah and i think it also this has big implications for vegan advocacy as well like even on the individual level in that i think a lot of the time um yeah again going back several years our our argument was all about the why vegan because again Mm -hmm. it's kind of assumed of course course you don't already agree with this but Mm -hmm. we need to convince you Mm -hmm. and then we'll kind of worry about the how but it's kind of a bit of an afterthought it was more like we have to convince you first but now um considering there's quite a significant proportion of the population around the world that philosophically supports a um you know a vegan food system it kind of becomes down to well how do i practically implement that on the individual Mm. level i think we tried to focus a lot with our activism on that you Mm. know when we were in Perth about because Perth not being like Melbourne, which is super vegan friendly and trying mm. to encourage people to find out how they could live as a vegan in Perth. Mm, yeah. And actually even like reflecting on that time, um, yeah, back in Perth when we're doing activism in the sort of what, 2010s and um, mm-hmm. yeah, late 2000s, it was even back then, a lot of the questions I did get were more practical as well. Mm. Like, oh, how do I do this? How do I do And so... Yeah, again, I think I can kind of see even like at least the starting points of these changing attitudes even all the way back then of like, yeah, this makes sense to me philosophically, but how do I put it into practice? Which is why, um, yeah, with our activism, again, back in Perth, we, we sort of changed to still obviously promote the animal rights arguments, but also uh, very much the how. And do you want to talk a bit about how we did that with our vegan Perth kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, we did a guide, there? like mm. the guide to vegan Perth, mm. you know, eating out and, you know, veganism as well. It's not just about a diet, which people often think it's also about, you know, what you wear and, you know, not supporting zoos and things like that, you know. So, um, you know, when we go on holiday, like we we went to Queensland not too long ago, it's like, okay. Not to Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, I should say we're totally complying with COVID protocols. Yep, luckily, yep. We went before Queensland had the outbreak, luckily. Yeah, and we went right to the top of Queensland, not there. Not <laughs> we were there. in the green zones. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, where where when they have like, oh, come and see, you know, this like butterfly sanctuary where research is this actually an ethical like animal thing or like is it animals in the wild or is it one of those profiting profiteering mm-hmm. kind of things? So, yeah, we're really focusing on that a lot, and it's funny to me when people say like. Oh, but I love chocolate, and I'm like, oh, like especially now, like the vegan chocolate you have, like Veggio, it's amazing. I'm just thinking about chocolate because it's Easter, <laughs> and I haven't had my chocolate egg yet. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of thought I met someone. She's like, oh, I just want vegan, good vegan chocolate. I'm like, well, here you go. Like even before, I was just like, well, I've got to be vegan whether I can have good chocolate or not. <laughs> you know, it's the right thing to do. But I was like, here you go, and I kind of thought that would be it. Like she'd be like, oh, cool, all right, I can go vegan now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but again, I guess there is that. That is one reason, but then there's also the social and and that kind of stuff as well. But yeah, I think there is a lot, um, particularly in light of all this new research, a lot to be done in the vegan movement in terms of um, promoting individual vegan. Of of here's you know, Happy Cow is a good app you can use when you eat out. Tell you about vegan friendly places, but information on the you know how to eat a healthy vegan diet, how to um, yeah products that are available at the supermarket, all that kind of stuff is, is really important. Um, vegan easy cheat sheet is another one which you can um, search for um, by uh, Animal Liberation Victoria and there's yeah a lot of that kind of stuff is important also on the other side I think also that uh, as we mentioned a bit earlier as a movement we have been very much focused on this individual change of of this idea that the way we get towards um, yeah animals just convince everyone you know one by one more more people go vegan therefore the system will have to follow yeah exactly and I think that yeah again I think that should definitely be part of the movement it's not a matter of rejecting individual change but also I think because we as a movement have that very much the focus on individual change and also i think the issue of veganism and animal agriculture is always focused on this individual thing it's often dismissed uh dismissed sorry by environmental movements who are much tend to have much more structural messaging around and fossil fuels not Mm -hmm. so much like you know individual changes like riding a bike or something like that often the focus is on these broader things no no more fossil fuels etc and yeah i saw a a tweet from uh corey wren who is an academic uh, sociologist over in the uk who has um been on the show a few times and she tweeted uh this from extinction rebellions late Extinction Rebellion's latest newsletter, um, Animal Rebellion focuses on system change, not personal change, so doesn't ask its members to be vegan. Uh, And then Corey tweeted, um, yeah, WTF, uh, why the environmental movement will never save the world, it prioritised burgers over social justice. So again, we we kind of go back to that thing of no individual should make the change. Mm -hmm. But I think we also need to look at the way in which we can actually have our uh, messaging that addresses animal agriculture in a more structural way, not just an individual way as well. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. should just say, so, you know, Extinction Rebellion being the big um, climate change movement that's taken off, Animal mm. Rebellion has emerged mm. and is almost like a sister movement, mm-hmm. but focusing on everyone becoming vegan and... Well, you know, it's more a plant-based food system. More a plant-based food ve- system. Yeah, more than individual veganism, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but but veganism more than more than just diet, right? More than just plant based diet. Well, no, their focus is on a plant based food system. Oh, it's on the food system, at not the, on like getting rid of zoos. And no, stuff. I mean people within that would definitely support that, but okay. that is their campaign. Yeah. That, that is their focus of. A, of and a is it true that they don't ask their members to be vegan, or is that just that's extinction rebellion's view? Um, of it? Oh yeah, sorry, I've um, sorry, I, I've. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's... I've, I've got confused there because, yeah, you're right. I've, I've kind of got confused. I've got Animal Rebellion here. I thought it was Extinction Rebellion. So, yeah, I think that might be a typo, which has got us confused. Okay. I'm pretty sure she's talking about Extinction Rebellion, not Animal Rebellion there. Um, but yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. The joy of live radio. <laughs> uh, that might get an edit if this was the podcast version. I just want to add a clarification here for the podcast version of the show because I've actually spoken to Corey about this tweet just to clarify exactly who she was talking about. Uh, So the mistake was totally my mistake. Uh, The tweet was totally worded correctly um, and Corey was indeed referring to Extinction Rebellion um, featuring Animal Rebellion in a recent newsletter. And so the quote was from Animal Rebellion rather than Extinction Rebellion. Uh, So again, I want to clear that up for the the podcast version of the show to make it totally clear um yeah what what we're talking about there so yeah i guess to when i saw the tweet i was actually um just thinking of, of as an example that referred to extinction rebellion um and yeah certainly not to at all call out or criticize core or anything like that but I, I just thought it was an example of uh when environmental movements say you know we don't promote individual veganism often as vegans we say no you should promote individual veganism and i was just uh, i guess giving that suggestion of well maybe rather than saying that another thing we could possibly do is go okay well let's address animal agriculture at the systemic level at the at the structural level at the level of a plant-based food system in in terms of animal rebellion uh actually i think that kind of makes sense to me that idea of uh not mandating individual veganism um and i guess trying to capture the that quite large proportion as we touched on um, nearly half of people in the UK support a plant-based food system so trying to create a movement that includes all those people rather than the quite small percentage who are actually vegan uh, on the individual level within the existing um, food system so yeah again I think that kind of makes sense to me from what we've heard from Animal Rebellion on the show Uh, but we do have a Freedom of Species contributor um, Harley over in the UK who is actually active with animal rebellion so yeah on um perhaps on the next show that harley does i'll ask if she's interested in in putting in a little uh clarification about that about animal rebellion's position on uh individual veganism so i just want to add that clarification for the podcast version uh and back to the show that we recorded live but your point about it was yeah my point about it was that when it comes to environmental movements so not extinction rebellion specifically but just environmental movements in general often they're like we don't want to ask individuals to become vegan therefore we're not going to talk about animal agriculture at all and it's like but we can address animal agriculture in a systemic way just as we address fossil fuels Mm -hmm. because i think there's you know i kind of understand it from one point of view because it's like you know let's not exclude people when we when we want to create this mass movement let's not say oh only people who don't own a car can go to this rally, right? You want to try and bring everyone in behind this sort of broad structural messaging that everyone can kind of agree on, mm-hmm. regardless sort of their individual behaviours. We can all agree no more, no new fossil fuels, for mm-hmm. example. Um, but yeah, as we've spoken about in the show before, we could also not just sort of go like, oh, you're, you're not caring about things because you're not promoting individual veganism, but how can we work in that structural messaging like no new animal agriculture, for example, is something we've spoken about on the show before too. Yeah, and I think also, 
I, I also don't really see the harm of promoting individual change within environmental movements as well. Like, why can't we do both without actually excluding people from movements? But I kind of think of the issue of transport, which is something I am uh, definitely interested in. Um, and that is something we can address on an individual level, like uh, riding a bike or walking mm. rather than driving. Uh, but we can also address on a structural level, like replacing a car lane with a bus lane mm-hmm. or whatever. So, like, why not do both of those things within movements as well? So, yep. yeah. But, yeah, I think that is generally the argument of, of like there, there's only a small proportion of people who are vegan at this point, uh, even though there's quite broad support. Um, but yeah, if if the movement is limited to just vegans, uh, the movement is, is very going to be limited in terms of who we bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think we can still talk about animal agriculture without saying you have to be vegan to be a part of this movement as well. Yeah. yeah. All right, we are going to go to another song. So this is uh, a song by Propagandy, and yeah, it's called um, it's called um, Lower Lower Order, a good laugh. And yeah, this is one Propagandy are a band we really like. I haven't kept up too much with the recent stuff, but I heard this one recently, and uh, we're going to link this to a personal story from our experience after this song.
More than 70 innocent refugees are still being indefinitely detained in detention centres and secure hotels around Australia. Over recent months, many fellow detainees have been released onto bridging visas. Those remaining are desperate to know why they are still held. It is indefinite, it is cruel and it is unlawful. Every day a group of supporters protest this brutality outside the Park Hotel at 701 Swanson Street, Melbourne, where 11 men remain trapped and whose hopes are fading and whose mental health is declining. The aim of the protests is to raise awareness of the situation for the general public, but also to show support and solidarity to the men inside. It is also for the approximately 200 refugees still held offshore. Please come along any weeknight at 6pm or weekend at 3pm. Now if you're sick and tired of the news reports And your modern day life is a blues of sorts Put your head in the sand Hey, this is Jane from The Herb. Please support community radio and your local music scene. We can't hear you. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Radical Radio. I am joined by Katie Batty and we're discussing on the show today um, attitudes towards a plant-based food system and also how we can incorporate um, policies and and messaging within environmental spaces that advocate towards a plant-based food system as well. Um, But take a little bit of a detour now with that song. So that was um, Lower Order, in brackets, A Good Laugh by Propagandy. And one of the lyrics for that song was, um, you ever see that stupid cow chasing the truck that drove off with her calf? Uh, Stupid lower order, always good, good for a good laugh. And yeah, obviously, you know, sort of talking about these attitudes towards animals and this idea of of people just find it funny, the lower place animals are given within our society. and, And that lyric specifically really um, reminded us of a um, yeah of, of recently um, just a, a little while back when we were in Queensland of um, yeah that rung really true with something that we saw yeah, in Queensland yeah so we were driving um, went on a bit of a a day trip um, with a friend of mine that lives there and as we were driving through these country roads there was everyone all the traffic had slowed down I'm like oh what's what's going on. And basically, a bull had escaped and was going after following a truck of cows. And um, so there were two farmers trying to get the bull um, to back into the the paddock, but he just kept going along and walking on the road and everything. So they were basically having to stop traffic, and we were just driving along very slowly, following this bull. And we were there with our our friend who isn't you know a person that's into animal rights or anything like that and she was just like oh this is such a classic country kind of story you know it's just like a funny kind of story and um and afterwards nick was like oh that was like i really didn't find that funny at all i found that very sad Mm. you know it's a Mm. and um there are many examples when even people don't see animals as really having their own kind of agency but when they they try to um, you know, free themselves or free others. There's pretty amazing stories, like a time that elephants freed a bunch of antelope that were, you know, um, basically being trapped. So it's, it's yeah, it was really, in, that song is just really hits home on that point. Um, because we, even though a lot of animal agriculture is hidden away from us, when we do see it, it's almost like we don't really see the truth behind it. We just kind of 
you know, like that song talks about, we kind of dismiss them and they are these, you know, lower beings that we don't really have to worry about. They don't have the feelings like we have about our loved ones. Mm. So, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Is there anything you wanted to say about that? Yeah, I think also the the way in which um, I think you've compared veganism to taking I think you've said the red pill, but MRAs have kind of moved, ruined I that. Know, the but what about, I the, know, bl- what about always... the blue pill? Does that make sense? Has no, but the blue ruined? pill is like you don't go in the matrix. At oh, all. is it? Okay, I didn't know. But I always yeah, I, I said this before. MRAs had taken the whole thing, but it's like for me, um, once I learned and saw animals like other other animals, non-human animals, as equally valid as and important as any other human animal, I couldn't go back from that. It was just this moment. You suddenly realise, you're like, God, what have I been doing all my life? You know, eating babies and contributing and this horrible dairy industry. And it just, it's like once you have that that moment, that's why I said to people, like, for me, it is easy to be vegan. Like, mm. the hard part was realising at first and no one else cares, and that's why they often talk about oh, vegans, like angry vegans. It's like you, it's like realizing that I always those, those people that believe in the pedophile ring, right? Okay. They're often really angry. Like that, there's no truth to to that. What's it called? QAnon. Yeah. But if you found out that we were actually eating human babies all this time, you'd be like, oh my god! And everyone's like, no, it's fine. It's no big deal. Mm. You'd be kind of shocked and angry, and you'd be telling everyone about it, and they'd be like stop talking to me about it. I'm just going to eat my human babies. You'd be shocked. Then mm. that's kind of what it's like, really. Um, you, you Once you go through that moment, it's like you can't really un, unsee that. Mm, yeah, and I also thought, yeah, that sort of analogy of whatever color, whatever color pill hasn't been ruined. Uh, once you've taken that, it's like you can see, be seeing the exact same event with someone else, and just see it through totally different eyes. Once you actually see that as, um, yeah, I guess an example of, yeah, like as you mentioned, like a sad example of this way which we control animals, but also uh, as Katie touched on this. Um, animal resistance as well which is often just dismissed as like an inconvenience mm. or something like that or you know when an animal or a funny story yeah, like funny you know story. there's that statue of that pig that escaped it's not a propaganda song right yeah yeah the yeah, pig that yeah. escaped from the slaughterhouse and mm-hmm. then they rounded the pig up and killed the pig and they have the statue and they're like oh it's a funny story for our town yeah yeah about this thing that happened and it's yeah. it's very hard for me to see that it's funny at all yeah, exactly. And there, there is a whole book, which I, I haven't read, but I've heard a podcast about the book, which is typical of most books, but um, it's called Fear of an Animal Planet, A Hidden History of Animal Resistance and the way in which, um, yeah, these just taken by themselves are just these isolated incidents, but that uh, the historian who wrote that book actually sort of compiled them when taken together. You can see these are all examples of, of uh, other animals actually resisting their oppression based on humans um, or oppression from humans. And, yeah, also I think another uh, issue which Katie touched on a bit as well was this idea that, uh, yeah, often seeing uh, other animals on the road in trucks and those kind of things because it's so hidden away, but it has to be, yeah, they have to be trans- transported from one spot to another it's sort of one of the few times we actually see uh, mm. other animals and kind of are reminded and uh, in yeah. confinement and distress because often mm. you know if you drive through the country and you see a few cows in the field mm. which you know can't um doesn't represent really completely accurately what it, it just looks happy it doesn't represent the whole process exactly I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um but if you see them you know being transported and confined and mm. unhappy and hot and you know where they're, they're facing their deaths yeah it's very hard to to just think oh it's fine yeah 
Yeah, and I think that is where sort of what we've been building on throughout this whole show is this idea of philosophically people are reminded at least for a moment, oh, actually, when I'm eating that, what I view as just a product, like that has come from someone, Mm -hmm. from one of these animals there. Um, But then we then get into the nitty-gritty of like how to actually live my life, and that's where things get really complicated. It very much reminds me of – I remember just hearing – yeah, something like, I don't have the study off the top of my head or anything like that, but it was something like when people see the crosses by the side of the road mm. uh, and they'll slow down because they don't want to, you know, um, have a road fatality through speeding, uh, but they'll slow down for about two minutes. Right. Um, because then whatever, you put in fuel, you change the song, you change the radio station, whatever, and then you just kind of get onto the next issue that you're focused on. I think a lot of the people perhaps have the same experience with seeing animals. Oh, that's really sad. Um, but then it comes back to yeah again you, you put in fuel you kind of just move on to the next thing in your life or you're like oh that is sad and again that's why we get this philosophical support for a plant-based food system but i don't want to stick out from the crowd or it's too difficult or i enjoy the taste of this too much mm-hmm. or whatever and we get into all those kind of complex uh complex things yeah yeah i also while we're talking about not just environmental issues but also um yeah also um, like animal rights issues as well, which is another, and, and certainly for me and Katie, the most important to move towards um, to, to a plant-based food system is the animal rights reasons. And I wanted to um, talk about this idea of, of killing. Often sort of the word culling is used to sort of like downplay the, the seriousness or the fact that these are individuals, but we'll say more accurately the killing of animals um, supposedly for environmental reasons. And that's just an argument I've heard so much over the years. Mm. Um, kangaroo slaughter and Australia, for mm. example, like wild foxes. Yeah, yeah, lots of different, um, yeah, lots of different animals, and and yeah, it's it's kind of disgusting. Like it's it's often you know white men, you know, who are very into their masculinity, and they're like, I'm doing a good thing. I'm going out and killing all these pigs, and look mm. at all these bodies, and I'm really proud of it. Um, I'm saving the planet by being violent and inflicting pain mm. on someone who cannot fight back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think also there is that thing of once that concept of conservation hunting emerged, then perhaps those or, who are already hunting were like, okay, we'll, we'll relabel as conservation as well. I think we need to be sceptical about that because there are obviously people who enjoy hunting before that yeah. became this kind of thing. And there are term. people yeah. who solely care about conservation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's very interesting, and they're like, "Oh, good, I can put a, I can be, be part of that, you know, PC brigade or whatever." As they'd say now, I, I've got a good reason to go hunting rather than just because I like, you know, killing. <laughs> mm, yeah, and, and so a lot of the times, the arguments I've heard a lot around this issue have been. Like, let's not be too, like, sentimental or emotional about it. Let's just simply, if it's the best thing to do for the environment, then we should kill them. Mm -hmm. If it's not, then we should not kill them. Let's be rational. Let's be scientific about it. And I just wanted to, and again, as Katie's done as well, like, often putting it in the human context makes this thing ridiculous. I was just thinking, like, with when it comes to this example, uh, myself. So Nick Pendergrass is lost out at sea. I've fallen off my boat, and I'm in there. Should we save me or should we not? Well it's going to take a lot of fuel for the helicopters and boats and those kind of things so it'd actually be better for the environment just to leave me right like Mm -hmm. so okay we're going to be rational we're not going to be too emotional too sentimental all these things which are often sort of leveled at animal rights activists we're just going to leave me and do the best thing for the environment right Um, but obviously that doesn't add up because we view humans as individuals who have worth Mm -hmm. so we will you know generally again of course obviously 
you know, different groups of people are given different weight and there are other issues going on, racism, sexism, etc. Um, but overall, there's this idea of like, well, humans have value, even if it's not the best thing to the environment. We're Intrinsic try and, value of the human yeah, life. We're going to try and save those people. So, yeah, I think that, yeah, uh, those arguments sort of only make sense uh, when it comes to, yeah, other animals, basically. Mm. So even though they're, they're sort of framed as being... Um, like very scientific and that kind of thing, they're actually based on a prejudice of speciesism. And if we, yeah, again, when it comes to humans, we're not deemed to be uh, sentimental or emotional or whatever, even though we are, right, because mm-hmm. we are valued for good reasons. We're valuing those individuals. Um, and, yeah, the final point I'll make um, as we, yeah, we'll make way for in psychedelia in a little while, but um, the final point I'll make with the... the um, the the general theme of uh yeah animals and how they fit in with environmental movements and those kind of issues i think one uh getting back to my previous points as well about this idea of like not shrinking the people will reach too much i think there's this idea of environmental movements let's just promote like no new fossil fuels and there's quite a broad support for that let's not bring in other issues um but I would argue these movements already are bringing other issues in. And I think that's a positive thing. Like I've been to lots of environmental rallies in recent years and there's often people speaking about Indigenous issues, for example, and how uh, that relates to the environment. Like it could be um, destroying a sacred site. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's it's bad, uh, yeah, for Indigenous people and also bad for the environment. Also, there's been a big move in recent years in the... um, uh, in the environmental space of fo- folks on workers' rights and this idea of we want union jobs within renewable energy. Yes. Or, you know, yeah. we, we've, there's been um, workers within fossil fuel industries speaking about, yes, we need to end these industries, mm-hmm. but also give a just transition for those and workers. And firefighters and firefighters' unions coming out and yeah. saying how how it's really affecting them. So, and uh, you know, but people who come from you know, more of a, a union background or more of a my job is going to be threatened background, which mm. is also like a totally understandable thing. Mm. If you, mm. you know, it's not um, an easy time out there. Um, mm. So that's really, yeah, I think it's really important. And I mean, as people that support intersectionality, we think it's important to bring in all those issues anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, broadening support and movement and reasoning behind things in, rather than, I always think of that T-shirt, you can't be a meat-eating environmentalist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how like that's like so not the right attitude to have. Mm-hmm. In, what you're doing is bad. Um, but rather saying these are all these other reasons why we can bring you into the fold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, again, I think... That yeah, it, we aren't just getting behind. We're getting behind lots of different narratives. And again, I think that is a positive. I think indigenous rights, workers' rights, all these issues are really important. So we are already are as movements broadening it out. And so again, I think we can include animals within the mix when it comes to environmental movements, particularly because animal agriculture does have such a big impact on the environment generally, and also climate change uh, specifically. And so yeah, and once again, as Katie said, it's also um, we have a role to play as animal activists and those promoting um, plant-based food system based on environmental grounds of, of framing our messages in more um, productive ways, I guess. so. And I think that is, again, another example of that is, is getting that mass support is messaging around a plant-based food system, which is I'm certainly not the only one to say that, and there is actually changes within environmental spaces of people advocating for that plant-based food system rather than sort of saying you're not a vegan, you shouldn't be here, basically, which, again, sort of feeds into that hypocrisy narrative mm-hmm. that, 
environmental movements already get from the right oh here's some people using plastic bottles so therefore the whole march was was you know you know hypocritical or mm-hmm. whatever and so yeah avoiding the hypocrisy narratives but but feeding into some of that broad support for a plant-based food system all right that is all we have time for for today um unless you have any final thoughts katie before we take off um, I guess I would just say, you know, it can be, you know, there was parts of that song where it were really upsetting mm. and, um, you know, really kind of hit me in the gut, part of some of those lyrics. Mm. Um, but I think that we should also remember the the positive things about mm. about it and that that's the things we open with, that the broad support for veganism, plant-based diets, that people are really, you know, opening up to that idea. And so I think we should reflect on that, that it's, mm becoming a really great positive movement in the same way that I take, you know, heart in in what is happening in the Black Lives Matter movement and what's happening in the women's movement right now. Like, it's very hard to get bogged down in those negative stories, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the deaths that they show and, and the stories of sexual harassment. But mm. it's, for me, I just really like to focus on where we're going mm. And how there are some people out there who do care about those things. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the kind of message that I would want to leave with. Is it, mm-hmm. we, it's a hopeful message. It's a hopeful time, mm-hmm. despite hearing all these upsetting things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the, um, yeah, a really good podcast for that, if you're interested in that sort of idea of that sort of utopian and creating the world and looking towards the future and positive, um, the Vegan Vanguard is one. And also Mexi, who has positive leftist news as well as that podcast. But on, yeah, That's on YouTube, isn't it? On it's YouTube, really good. positive summary leftist of- news. News. Good um, left news. Positive things that are happening, but also what they often start off with the vegan bad po- vegan vanguard podcast with is um, headlines for the future. So these are ah. things that have already happened in the future. So and and me, Mexi's vegan. There's sometimes they're they're animal ones, but also just around racial justice mm-hmm. and indigenous rights. But all kinds of things of like, yeah, obviously these good things happening. Like could be you know plant based food system in Australia from 2025 or something like 100 percent plant based or those kind of things. And then okay, that's the headline we want. And how do we get there mm. as well so um check out that podcast and, and perhaps maybe um she might be someone who might be a good person for this show sometime but either way check her out on vegan vanguard and mexi on youtube etc uh positive leftist news but i think that's a good point to finish on um our show is one till two every sunday uh next week will be uh devita and trev bringing you another show um you can listen to our show every Sunday, 1 to 2 p.m., uh, 8.55 a.m. in Melbourne and also streamed via um, the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au. Uh, all previous podcasts are available via 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species as well as on iTunes and, and Spotify. We always welcome any feedback on the show. You can email us, info at freedomofspecies.org. Also connect with us on Facebook or Twitter. On Twitter, we're at OF. Uh, at FOS Radio. Um, so, yeah, as, as I mentioned, um, we are going to um, make way for Encyclopedia. Lots of important discussions uh, around drugs from a harm reduction standpoint. We're going to go out with a song. Katie kind of touched on these issues. This was Stella. It's Stella Donnelly with Old Man. Uh, and one of the lyrics is, have a chat to your friends because it's our words that will keep our daughters safe. So this idea of cultural change around gender and these discussions are starting to happen right now um, in Australia, which I think is really important. Thank you. He's reading sport on the news, white man, white teeth in a suit. He's got-
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.